You're listening to The Healthy Sensitive. Hello and welcome everyone to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive people who want to figure out a way to live big and enjoy themselves and still stay sane, healthy, vibrant. I'm Leah Burkhart, uh, your hostess, an introvert, an HSP, a podcaster, blogger. I'm just a jack of all trades, really. <laughs> Basically, I'm kind of a mess. <laughs> all right. Um, today, what I want to talk about is networking or socializing. Uh, you know, last week we talked a little bit about the importance of having community. And when I have conversations with fellow HSPs and introverts, one of the first things that comes up is, yeah, but uh, how do I, how do I get started? That sounds awful. Gulp. <laughs> So what I thought I would do a little bit of a run through today is, well, first of all, why is it so hard for highly sensitive people to get out there and meet new humans, like new people that they can invite into their lives? Uh, you know, what would be the benefit of even trying? And then, you know, in terms of how to go about that process, we'll discuss the importance of setting an intention. You know, what is it that you want from a new relationship? Romantic platonic, professional, whatever. How do you get started? Like, what are some things that would help make the process more enjoyable? Setting some specific goals and putting some specific parameters in place and sort of the value of doing that. You know, the value of treating the whole thing like an experiment. Um, you know, we'll even talk about some conversation starters that might be helpful in sort of getting things rolling so that you don't, on the one hand, feel like you're lost and you don't know what to talk about, but you're not also stuck with the gen the general chit chat that a lot of HSPs tend to detest. And then we'll talk a little bit about, you know, sort of as a wrap up, we'll go over how to develop all of that as an HSP in a way that allows for better professional connections, better relationships, you know, the potential of a community to unfold around all of that. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about all of those things today. So first, what are the benefits of having a community? And we talked about this last week, but why would one go through the effort? Because it is an effort to get out there to meet new people. First of all, people who have healthy connections with other humans live longer. And not just that they don't just live longer, but the, the, the experience of the life that they are living is improved. There's value in knowing that there's another human being out there that you could call when you feel like you're falling apart. And I know I mentioned this last week, but you know the human brain is sort of like an accountant. It's keeping tabs on everything that your body spends and all of the energy that it takes in, and it's desperately trying to keep the balance so that you don't overexert yourself. And having relationships does one of two things. They can make deposits into your account when you're running on empty, Unfortunately, they can also make withdrawals when you're already empty. And, you know, this is a conversation for another time, but one challenge for highly sensitive people is that they tend to attract narcissistic types 
to a lesser extent, sociopathic types, more the narcissist, because for better or for worse, highly sensitive people tend to be kind of, uh, as a rule, more empathic than the average person, which doesn't mean that they're better people. They can be just as obnoxious as any other human on the planet, but they tend to pick up on the vibes of other people around them. And especially when you're talking about a narcissist, this person who might have the facade or the, the mask of superiority, highly sensitive people are often able to feel the pain that's behind that mask and want desperately to help them and to make them feel better, not realizing that they're really dumping all of this energy into a black hole. So the downside, uh, or the risk rather, that highly sensitive people take on when going out to meet new people is this very real possibility that they might end up befriending, quote unquote, someone who ends up being a, a toxic influence in their life. But on the flip side of that, in the exact same way, they run the, I don't know if I want to say, it's not like you're running the risk. It's like you're, the potential benefit that you stand to gain is exactly the opposite. You could have someone magnify the joy that you experience in your life just by virtue of being a part of it. And so there's value in going out there and meeting your people, finding your people. It gives you a sense of purpose. Uh, it can improve your health, which for it's not just about energy, but it's also just when you feel like you you, you have your people, you tend to engage in healthier behaviors and you have less stress, all kinds of things. And then if you're more the pragmatic person who maybe wants to go a little bit less into the touchy-feely stuff, you'll probably have a better career. The whole phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Some of that's really terrible and it's frustrating, but it doesn't just come from nepotism alone, or at least it's not solely nepotism or to the extent that it is, that's not always a bad thing. If you have a good friend that you care very much about and that you, you can testify to the strength of their character and you know the, the breadth and depth of their skill set and a job opening becomes available in the job that you are currently working in and you know for sure, like, my God, this would be a great person. I know this person would be a great fit. And then that person therefore gets an interview based on your word with your boss because you also have a good relationship with your boss. I'd say this person gets hired on and everyone agrees that they were a tremendous asset to the company or to at least the team. Well, everyone wins. So nepotism, as much as I hate to say it, it's not always a horrible thing. So there's value in going out there and meeting new people, especially if you want to expand your career or if you just want to talk to people who are currently doing something you're maybe mildly interested in, but you're not sure if you want to put forth the investment that would be required to get the education and skill sets necessary to then do the same thing, you can reach out to these people and find out what they're doing and see to what extent it's something you would want to do yourself. There's just, it's unlimited. There's tons of things, tons of benefits that come with meeting your people. But in order to meet your people, you have to go meet people. <laughs> so why is that so difficult? Because trust me, extroverts, I mean, I don't, honestly, I, to be quite honest, I don't know a lot of highly sensitive extroverts. Very few, in fact. And my sense is that extroverted, highly sensitive people would not have that. You're probably not listening to this podcast. And if you are, you're, you're probably feeling pretty smug because you're thinking, I know how to do this. Um, but for highly sensitive introverts in particular, you've got some challenges that come with going out there into the big bad world and meeting your tribe. Um, first of all, it requires going to a new place. And highly sensitive people aren't ninnies. They're not fearful. They don't lack courage. But to go to a new place is stimulating. 
and you won't know precisely just how stimulating until you arrive there. So, and often, because we live in a world that's predominantly run by people who are not HSP and who tend to be extroverted, at least the majority of folks do, and we live in a culture that celebrates those traits, the kinds of things that most of us will need to go to to meet new people, you know, we'll need to go to places where other humans will be congregating, so to speak. Well, those types of things tends to have a lot of other humans. They tend to be run by extroverted people. It tends to cater to extroverted people who are not HSPs and who not only don't dislike stimulation, but crave it. They want more excitement and they want the buzz. And there's nothing wrong with that, just to be clear. So I'm in no way poo-pooing on the events that extroverts put together. But that level of stimulation can be challenging for a highly sensitive person because you have to imagine they're processing all of the data that's streaming into their headspace. The sounds, the sensations, everything is magnified for a highly sensitive person, which, as I've mentioned many, many times before, means that we're probably really easy to amuse. This is why you'll find us so often at art museums, you'll find us in libraries. You know, we will just be in awe of a painting and it will be moved by the painting. That's lovely. But if you're gonna go to a hip party, there is just so much data coming in. It's really uncomfortable to have to process it as quickly as you possibly can, given that that's not, we're not hyper efficient processors. We're effective, but we're not efficient. We don't do things quickly. So we're dealing with all this stimulation. And in the midst of all of that, we're trying desperately to bring our best selves to every conversation with a new person. Well, this brings me to my next problem. Most people in extroverted uh, culture. So this isn't true of all countries all over the world, but in the United States, certainly. This is also true in Canada, uh, in many places in Europe, not all. There's, it's, the cultural norms tend to run on the more extroverted side of things. And one cultural norm, it's a sort of social ritual. You go through the chit-chat part of the conversation first before you dive right into, you know, what is the meaning of life and what are you passionate about and, you know, what are you doing with yourself anyway. Highly sensitive people don't tend to like chit-chat. That's not true of all of them, but for many of them, because, well, 70% of them are introverts, so you have that combination together, and you're going to end up with someone who, more often than not, does not want to talk about the weather. And in fact, they may detest it. So you're in a place that's more stimulating than you would prefer. You're in a place that's unfamiliar. It's being run by those who don't ha don't share your perspective on things, which does not by any means mean that they are selfish. They're doing them. And they're, they're trying to invite you primarily because, well, they like having people around and they probably particularly like you. So they're intending, they're trying to do you a favor because they're going to have a blast and they want to, they want to invite you in. Fine. But we don't like those social rituals, which leaves us with one of two options. We can ignore the social rituals and go straight, you know, cut straight to the chase, um, go right into the co topics of conversation we like, which might mean that we share vulnerability, like to share our story and go deep really quickly. Or it might mean that we ask really insightful questions, philosophical questions, perhaps. And somebody out there would love that. But there's plenty of folks probably I'd be willing, wager, I'd be putting, willing to put a wager on the fact that about 80% of people don't necessarily want to launch right into those conversations. So now you have put them in a position where they're kind of standing back trying to figure you out, going, ugh, this is weird. I think I need to keep an eye on you. And then meanwhile, you 
are trying to figure out how to connect and you've just made it so much harder for both of you. Not intentionally, but there it is. You've done something that is kind of against the contract, the social contract, which states that if you join into a new festivity, you know, you, you inadvertently sign on the dotted line saying, I promise I will adhere to all of the social customs at this party. And if you don't, well, you've already violated a kind of contract. So people are already feeling a little bit distrustful of you. And again, this is all unconscious, under the radar. No one's going to say this kind of stuff to you. They probably won't even necessarily think it, but it's often how they're feeling. So that's one option. Or you can go along for the ride and follow the social rituals and norms, understanding that it, you know you have to be patient. But that requires even more energy, which is yet another way that you're feeling uncomfortable. So it's multiple layers of discomfort that you're having to contend with, all for the hope that you end up meeting someone that you can feel really connected to. And even as you're doing all of that, you're risking the very real possibility that this person either A, might not be your person because whatever the reason may be, maybe they're a perfectly lovely person, but they're just not your person. Or even worse, they may end up being kind of a toxic life suck. So it's a lot of risk. And at least in the moment of meeting new people, it doesn't necessarily feel like an awful lot of reward. So anyway, moving on. So how do we fix this? How do we make this a more enjoyable experience? And how do we maximize the benefits that we can glean from connecting with other people? Not just for ourselves, by the way, but for those that we want to meet. Because we're cool people. Once you get to know us, we're a lot of fun. We're goofy. We're weirdos. We're creative. We're insightful. We're great listeners. We are worth having in your life. And those goofballs, of ex- those extroverted goofballs who know how to have a good time and know how to let loose, you know, they're an asset as well. We would, they would probably be a tremendous gift to us. Now, if we could just figure out how to connect. (laughs) So the first thing you have to ask yourself before you even go, before you entertain the, the, the the going out to do the thing, whatever the thing may be, ask yourself, what is your intention here? What is it that you're going out there to try and achieve? Are you trying to build something? So are you, are you going out there trying to find your partner? your person, your, your sig other, because you ultimately want to build a family with this person, well, that's going to help inform how you behave. And it'll inform the way you behave in a very different way than, say, if you're going out to network, you want to make professional connections. Or are you trying to find somebody to share a hobby with? What is your intention? What would you like to be doing with a person if you were able to connect with them? What's the point? What kind of relationships do you want, I guess, is another way of looking at this. So once you've figured that out, once you've decided, let's say, for example, you like, I really need to build more social connections, especially as it relates to my profession, like my career. Um, I don't know that many people in my field, even though those that I do know I like, but I really want to expand my circle and I want to increase my influence in the community that I serve. Whatever. So you want to network. You've identified that that's the point. You're going out to, to meet other people. And again, I don't want, this can sound really crass and sort of like, what is in it for me? But for most of us who are going out there to meet people, there's an element of what's in it for me, but there's also a much larger element of, it, let's say you have your own business and you want to network. Well, I've got this really cool thing and I want to provide it as a service to people. And I want to get out there to figure out who might this help? So it doesn't have to just be selfish. And even when you're thinking about wanting a partner, 
it can sound selfish. I want a partner because I want kids. I want to settle down. But it's also, I think I would be a great partner for someone. And I think I'd be a good mother or, you know, whatever. So it's not, don't think of it as a bad thing when you're asking yourself, what is my intention in going out there and doing this thing? So anyway, you've decided. So now it's time to get started. Getting started means doing your homework. So before you go out and do the thing, you got to figure out what are going to be the kinds of events that if I attend them, I'm most likely going to enjoy it. This won't, what I'm about to go over here might not be true for every highly sensitive person on the planet, but these are some common threads that I find tend to be true. First, it helps if you look for events that you can attend that are up your alley, things that you like to do. So you can keep it light. Maybe there's a bowling club because you really like bowling. Or maybe there's game night and there's board games. Maybe it's a book club. That's a really common one for HSPs. It's like you're all going together to do a thing. It can take a lot of the pressure off. So you're in this space where you don't necessarily have to launch into what's the weather like. And to the extent that you do, there's something that you're all focused on to help distract from the discomfort of that part of the conversation. So it helps if the first thing you do when you're thinking, I'm going to go out there and meet new folks, go meet them doing a thing that you enjoy. Because that way, even if the conversations, all of the conversations you have are a total bust, at least you spend some time doing a thing you like. Next thing I would suggest is look for events that have a hard stop time. This is probably one of the greatest challenges. I don't know if it's true for highly sensitive extroverts, but certainly for the introverts. They like to know when the event is going to end. They want to know what the stop time is because it helps them. It's not just because they're miserable and they want it to end already. It helps them identify how much energy they need to have charged up to get through the event. And then when I say get through, I don't necessarily mean they're having a terrible time. Most of the time, in my experience, when introverts do push themselves to go out and try something new, they come back and they they end up being pleasantly surprised by how enjoyable the experience was. But they also can come back feeling exhausted. A pleasant exhaustion, but exhaustion nevertheless. It adds a lot of stress in the situation if you're not clear on when this is going to end. Because now you're responsible for socializing, which is already kind of challenging because there's so much going on. And you have to be the one to set the boundaries, which not so many HSPs are always so good at. So it can be helpful if it's like, nope, this party starts at six and it ends at eight. And if that event doesn't have a hard stop time, it can help for you to create one and then maybe to communicate that in advance. Say, I would be delighted to come to this event. Hey, my only only one thing though, I, I've got a, uh, another commitment that starts at about 8.30. Would you mind if I left a little early? I guarantee you, most of the time, the answer will be, I don't care, like shrug, (laughs) okay, whatever. And if it is a problem, well, great. You've just shown yourself to be courteous enough to ask, and they then are given an opportunity to say to you, you know, honestly, it might be a little awkward if you left early because this is what it will look like at that time. So maybe don't come to this event. Cool. Most HSPs are not offended when they're told, "Mm, maybe don't come. I mean, unless it's said cruelly, but most of the time, uh, anyway, there's tons of memes that do this. There's one in particular I'm thinking of when it was like a meme of a person who was looking absolutely relieved. And it was like how I feel when the other person that I had plans with cancels for the evening, something like that. Anyway, so finally, look for events that have structure. So this is kind of going back to maybe, maybe do things that 
where there's another, there's a focus point, game night, bowling, reading, writing, whatever. But, and it doesn't have to be that, but maybe, maybe it's just a discussion group or a support group or whatever. But what are the ground rules? What's the structure going to be like? Who's going to be holding the space? You know, look for events that there, there's some structure involved. And that can be tremendously helpful. It provides you with the ability to kind of relax into the event because you know what to expect. Always, 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 always take your own mode of transportation. If you walked, great. If you drive, don't carpool. If you like when you're going to a new place, give yourself the tools that are required to take care of you. Because I guarantee you, if you carpool and your buddy doesn't want to leave yet, you're going to be feeling miserable. Or, and this is what I find so funny, if I take my own car and go to a place, often I end up staying just as late as the next person. But knowing that I could leave at any time gives me the relief required so that I can stay. On the flip side, if I've come with another person and I'm, I'll be thinking the whole time about the fact that, oh my God, I can't leave whenever I want to. Oh my God, I can't leave when I want to. Oh my God, I can't leave when I want to. And it will disrupt my ability to enjoy the event while I'm there. It's bizarre. I think it's an introvert thing. It might just be a Leah thing. So putting that possibility out there. Um, and finally, if you want to leave early, all I would say is make sure that you let folks know in advance or at the very least, let them know in advance that that may be a possibility. Okay, so you've done your homework, you've decided, you've, you've figured out my intention is I want to go out there and I want to network and I want to build my professional circle. Great. And now you've found some places where it's really clear. You go to a place. It's two hours long. People are going to do a very, there's a set of rituals. Everybody talks about their little business for a period of time. And then at the end of it, everybody dissipates and just goes away. Awesome. Now what? <laughs> You've got a whole bunch of options. What are you going to do? This is where it's helpful to bring in some of those behavioral tools that always comes into the conversation when you're talking to a coach. What can I tell you? You knew you weren't going to escape it. First, set really specific goals for yourself. Maybe don't say, I really need to get out more. Okay, <laughs> more than what? Like, what does that mean? So it's much more effective if you say something like, I will try and get out to meet people X times per week or per month. So you might say, I'm going to make it a point to get out at least once a week or once every other week. When you set the goal, though, try and make it laughably easy. You don't want this to be a goal that you're stretching and just sort of like pulling yourself apart to achieve. Maybe a friend, like a very satisfying stretch is appropriate, but you don't want to just think of it like yoga. When you're doing a pose, you don't want to bend so far back that you crack your back. What you do want to do is bend far enough back that you feel the sensation of a, of a pulling and it feels pleasant. And you might say things like I'm going to, so examples, uh, I will get out and meet people once a week or when I go out, I will try and have one conversation with at least one person while I'm there. Um, I will aim to go to an event and stay for at least 30 minutes. You know, it's a specific goal you're setting. Um, and then when you've set this goal, you want a means to track your progress. You've gone to an event. How will you know that you were successful? Well, maybe you put it on your calendar. So you've decided to set a goal to do a thing once a week. So you found some things that are, are done weekly. So you pick one and then you track it on your calendar. 
or you track how many times, or you track how many people that you spoke with. You want to track your progress on this. This is all the more true if it's um, if you're talking about networking. You don't necessarily have to do this if you're trying to seek out a romantic partner, I don't think. Although, given that so many of us are now online dating, maybe there's value in keeping tabs on who you have and have not spoken to, or I don't know. But anytime you set a goal, it does help to track your progress. I set a goal to get out there X number of times per week. Did I do it? Yes or no? And if not, why isn't it happening? Maybe you need to change the goal. If it is, and it's super easy, maybe you expand it out and sort of improve upon it. Or if not improve upon it, increase it, whatever. Organize your environment. So make going to the event easy. Like I mentioned before, put it in your calendar. Make sure you have things planned in advance. Uh, maybe you make sure that you have all of the your, like food in your car when you go. Make sure that your gas tank is full so you don't have to worry about having to fill the gas tank on the way back. Make sure that whatever it is that you want to be wearing is sort of put in place the next day. Um, bring water. Bring things that make you feel comfortable. Whatever it is. I mean, I don't even care if it's a blankie. But, you know, organize your environment so that achieving this goal is more possible, more doable. Um, if it's networking, and a great example would be making sure that you have your business cards intact in your purse, in your wallet, wherever, and you're ready to go. Um, nourish your body and nourish your brain. <laughs> so make sure that you've slept really well the day before you do this thing. Make it a point to get to bed early that day. Um, make sure you eat well the entire day. You know, balance your blood sugar. Have some protein, have a complex carb, you know, keep things nice and steady. Hangry people aren't fun to hang out with. Don't go to an event hangry. Bad life choice. Maybe practice some stress management or, you know, practice a bit of meditation before you go. You know, you also want to make sure I would recommend following Elaine Aaron's rest rules. So if I can remember all of the pieces correctly, you want to have at least two hours a day where you're resting, where it's just your brain isn't, you're not forcing your brain to do things. You want at least one full day a week where you don't have to do anything. No chores, no work, no nothing. Um, and you want to make sure that you're in bed, according to her, 10 hours a night. And that doesn't mean you have to sleep the entire 10 hours, but it means go be in bed at a time that allows you to stay in that bed for 10 hours. And even if you don't end up doing it, give yourself that much time to do so. I don't know how many of us can follow all of those rules, but it's a worthwhile goal to strive for. If you're, if you're doing all of these things, if you're giving yourself the rest you need, by the time you get out there to meet new people, you will feel like meeting new people. If you're already zapped and you know, your batteries are low, you're gonna be a cranky puss. Don't go anywhere. No one wants to hang out with a cranky person. Like your HSPs, if they're not taking good care of themselves, behave kind of like toddlers. They just get fussy. Anyway, finally, get support. Have someone that you can check in with on this goal, or maybe even someone that you can go with to the event that you feel really comfortable with and like you can meet them there, you know, check in with people to let them know what you're doing, um, especially if you know the person who's running the event, maybe even say to them, this kind of goes back once more, hey, here's some things that I'm, you know, I can't wait to go. I'm really excited to go there, you know, to see, to meet you. And um, I have a few questions or whatever. And uh, this might help me feel really comfortable. Do you mind if I bring some extra blah, blah, blah? And it's like you're, you're recruiting support from the people around you. Great idea. Once you have all of these pieces in place, that's all well and good. But it's also important to treat this entire venture like an experiment. It's helpful to remember 
80% of people are not HSPs, which means most of the time, the experience you're having is not going to be mirrored by the people that you run into. This is all the more true if you're talking about a networking event or a party or some kind of a meetup group. In all likelihood, you're not going to meet a whole lot of other HSPs most of the time, unless maybe the group is called blah, 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 meetup for HSPs. Then yes, you'll probably meet a lot of them. Um, most people are therefore going to be waiting for you to satisfy those social rituals. And the likelihood that they're going to find you to be a little strange is pretty good. Because you are. I mean, I don't know if any of you follow Andy Mort's podcast, The Gentle Rebel, but he was talking to Jacob Nordby, who wrote the book Blessed Are the Weird. And it's all about, you know, how wonderful it is if you're a weird person who's creative and interesting. And we are weird and creative and interesting. We're, we're fun people to have around. We're a little goofy. Embrace that. Understand not everyone, though, is going to like it. And that's fine. Just like you're not going to like many of the conversations. There's nothing wrong with them. See it like you're like if you've ever taken a dog to a dog park. I mean, man, they just figure that kind of crap out. Here comes my dog zooming over to another dog. And one of two things, one of three things will happen. One, nothing. They will sniff, they'll do a little circle, and then they part ways. They are just not into each other. Number two, they will sniff, they will growl at each other. It's all of us, it's just like, nope, I've decided I don't like you. You are a threat. And then you gotta call the dogs off and kinda, all right, you're not gonna be buddies. Or they sniff, there's a moment of pause, and then something clicks. And out of nowhere, they're running around like crazy, and that's like, oh my god, I've met my best friend. I know how attached we humans can be with our sense of intelligence, our sense of entitlement, our sense that we kind of know things that other species don't and how special that can make us. But at the end of the day, I don't think we're really all that more sophisticated than dogs and cats or any other animal. And in this respect, animals have us, like they've got us beat. They have figured out how to do social dynamics very efficiently. Understand, though, that we're very similar, even though we've masked it over with language and complication and all of that. At the end of the day, you're just going out there to your version of a dog park and you're sniffing around to see whose pheromones you like or whatever. You know, who's that you click with? Even with all that, even with all of the social norms and the, and the knowing of all of this, things can just go wrong. That doesn't mean it was a failure. It just means you had a very successful experiment where you had a hypothesis that was disproven. Some things that might help it not fail. Because <laughs> um, this is a, uh, one thing that comes up a lot. Is it's like, yeah, 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 whatever. But let's say I'm networking. What the flop do I say? Like, I don't want to talk about the weather. And even if I do, I'm being really unauthentic. So they're not really seeing me. So if I behave like this other person, and I'm not being all that authentic and they like that person, they're liking a person I'm pretending to be, not the person that I am. So what do I do? One very helpful tool can be to kind of keep them on the, in the limelight. Most people love to talk about themselves, and I don't mean that necessarily in a narcissistic fashion. We're all kind of, I mean, think of us like little kids. Don't you love it when someone asks you questions, especially if they're interesting questions? Not just, well, what do you do? What's your favorite color? Um, but you know, what do you like to do for fun? Like when you're not working, what are you doing? 
you can go a little bit deeper and ask, like, what are some things that you're really excited about? What excites you? Um, and then you, you kind of, whatever questions that you're asking them, make sure that they're open-ended questions and that they're non-threatening. Don't go straight into, tell me about your childhood, <laughs> like, though you might want to. And you can look for cues in some of their answers. So let's say that you ask, hey, you know, so tell me about yourself. What are some things you like to do when in your free time? Like when it's just you and you want to have a good time, what do you like to do? And they might say, honestly, I'm so boring. I mean, I'll curl up with a good book any day of the week and I will be so happy. It's like, really? That's awesome. What do you like to read? Okay. So now they're telling, oh, I love mystery novels. Oh, interesting. Do you have any favorite authors? Any books you'd recommend? Well, actually, yeah, what I'd really recommend is dot, 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 dot. And you're getting all this information and in all likelihood, you're going to be intrigued by them because you're getting them to talk about things that they're interested in. And when they are interested in the topic, they might even teach you something. They may even then have something to reciprocate and sort of go, yeah, 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 but what about you? What, what do you like to do for fun? And now my dear HSP, you have the floor and whatever the answer is, share it. And you're being authentic and you're being clear, but you're also being, you're still honoring the social contract. You know, it's, it's very non-threatening to just say, tell me about yourself. What do you like to do for fun? Versus diving right in and saying like some deep, profound, like oh, I just read the newspaper today. Oh God. I'm not saying that you can't talk about religion and politics, but woo, that's a really great way to get into a sticky situation. And if the conversation winds down or if they become kind of monosyllabic, fine. That wasn't your dog. Move on. Sniff someone else's butt. <laughs> I know that's gross. But I mean, you get you know what I'm saying. Like, just move on. Start a new conversation. And if you don't have the energy, that's fine. Sit back and just observe. You've done the thing. You went to the party. You spoke with a person. It didn't go well. Maybe just sit back and observe. And if you need to leave early, it's probably not the end of the world. If you're not feeling it, maybe they're not going to feel you're not. They're probably not feeling you either. So anyway, but let's say that everything goes really well. You've gone. You've started talking with a person. You've asked some interesting questions. They've asked you some interesting questions. You seem to hit it off. It's like, wow, this just really feels like a very uh, rewarding conversation. Now what? Well, follow up. <laughs> like, so often with networking, this is a little easier because you can often the, the point of the game is to kind of exchange business cards or so you might even say it. Hey, this I really I so enjoyed meeting you. Uh, you know, I, I want to give you my card if ever you have any questions or if you're in town or hey, if you want to swap mystery novels or something, you know, please reach out to me. It doesn't have to be about but be about business. I just I've really enjoyed this. And if they say, yeah, I did too. Here's my card. Yeah, email me anytime. In fact, my cell, the number right there is textable. You can send me a text. Awesome. This is what a lot of HSPs, and in particular introverted HSPs, tend to do. Nothing. <laughs> They're so happy that they went out and they met a person and they got a card that it does not occur to them to follow up. Because, and most of the time this comes from a good place, but it, not always. Sometimes it comes from insecurity. I don't want to reach out to them because they might rebuff me. Maybe they were just being nice. And it's also sometimes genuine. I don't want to bother them. You know, I know how hard it is for me to get out there. And we can sometimes preemptively be thinking, oh, but what if they don't want to hear from me? I got news for you, honey. I mean, think, tell me the last time you got an email from someone who was genuinely thoughtful and kind that you thought, ew, 
You don't think that way. You might think, oh, I really wish I wanted to go out and hang out with you right now, but I'm so tired. But I guarantee you, you probably appreciated the gesture. You probably thought, wow, that was really nice of you to reach out to me. I'm so glad you did that. Thank you. I'm exhausted. I don't want to hang out right now, but I really, really appreciate that you asked. So follow up. Be the person who just says, hey, just wanted to send a quick note and thank you again for great conversation and just get the thread of conversation started again. Or maybe you're more intentional. Let's say you're in the conversation with this potential colleague or potential you know person that you networked with. You, someone tells you about a new book that some mystery novelist writes. You might send them a quick note saying, hey, I, you, know, you may or may not remember me. We had this conversation on such and such a day. And I just so happened to see this come up as like this, this person put out a new book. I'm, I'm sure you probably know this because this is your genre, but I just thought I'd send it over to you. I thought of you. And then that's it. It doesn't have to be you going out there and saying, I want to network with you because I'm supposed to increase my professional circle. It's just, hey, I'm just, just trying to connect. I'm just, we're just sniffing around, seeing if we play well together. And if you do, hey, I thought of you. In fact, you had such an impact on me that when I later heard about this novel, it occurred to me that you might be something that you would want to read or maybe that you've already read. Boom, done. Remember also, throughout the whole course of this, it's very important to practice self-care before and after whatever event you've committed to doing. So schedule time before and after the event to relax and unwind. Have a specific reward you can gift yourself with after you're doing, you know, done doing the social thing. Um, schedule time, like schedule the time you go to the event at a time that won't interfere with your sleep. So if the networking event goes from 8 to 10 p.m., maybe don't choose that one if you have to be up at 6 a.m. the next day. Or maybe it's just, I mean, this is me in particular. I've had a, a long history of poor sleep, so I've, I've had to work really hard to get to the space where I sleep regularly. So when I see events that go until 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, uh-uh, I'm not going. I don't care how cool you are. You could be, I mean, I don't know, the Dalai Lama. And I'd be like, man, that's awesome. You go, Dalai Lama. Bye. <laughs> like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to. Because I know that I won't be my best self when I'm there. It's just not a good choice. Um, and also be willing to be flexible with yourself. Allow yourself to opt out if you're absolutely certain that this isn't a good time. But communicate. Because this is the problem, I think, certainly with introverts and often with HSP introverts. We might say yes to the thing. And then, and at the time that we said yes, we meant it. So it's Monday and the event is on Saturday. And Tuesday, I'm really excited. I've committed to do the thing. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But come Saturday, for whatever reason, I've decided, I'm just kidding. I don't really want to go. Fine. Send a message. Be polite and say, I'm very sorry. I really did want to go. Unfortunately, I don't feel well. And I would hate to get everybody sick. My best wishes. I will come to the next one. It's thoughtful. It's kind. It's easy. There's no reason at all that you shouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> so what I'm hoping in the, so this is pretty much, that's the gist of it, tools that you can play with. And I hope this is helpful to you. These are some, this is based off of conversations I've had very recently with a group of HSPs that I had in a circle. So uh, my intention was to give you some tools, some resources, but as always, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. 
Um, you can reach out to me via my website. You can go to www.thehealthysensitive.com. If you just want to email me directly, you are welcome to do so. Uh, you can email me at Leah, L-E-A-H, at thehealthysensitive.com. Uh, I do private coaching, so if you want some support in making specific goals happen, I'm delighted to work with you. But just because you've sent an email does not mean that you are mandated to go through a coaching program. So um, if you just have questions, if you just want to chat, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm always delighted to hear from you. And otherwise, let's see any other housekeeping that I want to clean up. Oh, yes. Be on the lookout. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I'm in the middle of designing a highly sensitive person uh, online Wow, what's wrong with me? It's an online course. Uh, so I've already made one. It's how to be a highly sensitive superhero, building the foundation. That's already posted. It's live. It's up and running. Um, if you want to join the membership page, you get access to any courses that I develop whenever I develop them. Or you can purchase each course as is on its own, a la carte. So it's totally up to you. Uh, it's not published yet, but this next one that I'm going to be publishing is on building community. So this is going to be one of the things we talk about, you know, meeting new people. We'll also talk about developing healthy boundaries, um, you know, love languages, uh, attachment styles, sex, sexuality, romance, all the things. So be on the lookout. It's coming soon. I'm sort of trying to make sure I get at least a course out a month um, and this I'm due. And so it's almost finished. Just hang in there. I'm also going to be posting, this is sort of an adjunct or supplemental to the more recent course that I did, which is, uh, again, how to be a highly sensitive superhero. And day one was yesterday, and this is day two. It, you can jump in at any time. There's no time law, like limit to this. But I'm talking about how to build a spiritual practice um, and what does that mean and what does that mean for a pragmatist who might be agnostic or even atheist? Because spirituality does not have to mean that you believe in a specific religion. So be on the lookout for that. If you want to join the community, it's uh, just $5 a month. So basically the price of a latte. Uh, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And please don't hesitate to reach out if you have questions or just want to chat or... I don't know, just want to share something that you've created or are excited about or want to celebrate something that you were able to get out there and do. Always happy to hear from you. In the meantime, bye-bye.